0: Welcome to Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn from fellow business owners how to decrease the chaos and increase their sense of fulfillment while becoming more profitable. I'm your host, Tracy Trepesky. I'm an executive coach and consultant and leadership development expert. I'm also mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. In each episode, we explore challenges, opportunities, and actionable tips to help you take control of your time and energy and improve your bottom line while staying true to your vision. You'll hear from me and my guests how we've tackled some of the pitfalls and unexpected surprises that entrepreneurship delivers. We're the real deal, and we're here to inspire and encourage you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast where entrepreneurs just like you and me share how they master their mindset to overcome obstacles to their success. Today's episode is really focused on mental health struggles, addiction, and recovery. If you or someone you know has been struggling with your mental health and don't know where to turn, please make sure you reach out for help at the National Suicide Prevention Hotline in the US. You can call 1-800-723-TALK, which is 1-800-723-8255, or you can text chat with a qualified mental health counselors by visiting the website. For support with addiction, please contact SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, by calling 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. If you're outside of the United States, check with your local government or healthcare provider for mental health, suicide prevention, and substance abuse support. Remember that everyone struggles, and sometimes we need extra support, so there's no shame in getting help. In fact, it's a sign of strength to ask for and receive help. In today's episode, I'm talking with Rob Lohman of Lifted from the Rut, which exists to help people suffering from addictions to restore hope, identity, and purpose of their life. Rob also is the host of two podcasts. The first one is Beyond the Bars, and the second is Addiction, Freedom, and Faith. Rob shares his journey through mental health struggles, addiction, suicide attempts, and recovery. Rob got sober in 2001 and shared his story of becoming an entrepreneur after being an eighth grade math teacher. He's always been an entrepreneur at heart, but really has felt led to help people in recovery. Rob has leaned on his faith to guide him in staying sober, being an amazing business coach, husband, and dad, and in writing his upcoming book, The Art of Intervention. Rob's best advice is to engage strong mentors Be honest and share the last 10% you're not telling others. That last piece of advice is what really touched my soul. So I ask you, listener, what is the last 10% you're not sharing? How would you free yourself if you were to release that burden and trust a loved one, a mentor, a mental health counselor, or someone that you really trust with that last bit of heaviness that you've been carrying? What kind of freedom? could you create for yourself? So I invite you to grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Rob and his amazing and inspirational journey. Rob, thank you so much for coming today. I'm I'm thrilled to have you on the show and excited to share your journey.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to connect. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, I, I'll go ahead and make the disclaimer since there's a ton of noise right this second. We have some construction going on in the background here at uh, Trace International Zone, um, so I'll be you know trying to keep that down in the background so that we're not distracted by that. But uh, as you were saying, Rob, well, you know we're we're entrepreneurs. We're building stuff. It's what we do.
1: Yeah, we're building building planes in the air sometimes, and totally, you're going to hear a little yeah. screwdriver or jackhammer. But hey, that's 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 symbolic. So there you and go. And probably
0: some swearing. <laughs> <laughs> at least if I were doing it. So, (laughs) oh my gosh. Well, before we dive in and, you know, share your journey and start talking about what it is that you do, I love for our listeners to hear where you're located. So where are you in the world?
1: I am just outside of beautiful Denver, Colorado in what's called Littleton, Colorado, right next to the foothills. And I love it here.
0: Well, based on your background image, I mean, I can tell that it's beautiful. I've only sort of crossed through Colorado on my way from Washington state to New Mexico. So just the little corner right there at four corners, but uh, it's pretty, it's really pretty. You're lucky.
1: Yeah. I hear that's how, yeah. how half the people ended up in Colorado. They were passing through and decided to stay. So that was mm. kind of my story too, but yeah, it's all good.
0: <laughs> that makes sense. Well, it's, you know, it's gorgeous. And you know I am, very partial to the West. I think there's just a, something special about living and you know being in the West that's uh, pretty awesome. So good. Well, I will enjoy your background photo as we go along here. but i'm I'm thrilled to have you on the show. and um, I would love to just open the floor for you to share your journey with our listeners and maybe start with what you currently do and then share your backstory.
1: Yeah, sure. I, I love it too, because we're talking about like mental health in the workplace and entrepreneurship. And man, I don't know about you, but my brain has gone left, right, and center so many times as an entrepreneur. And am I doing the right thing? Don't I? I need to get some sleep and just all that. So as we'll get into my story later, I mean, mental health was a huge part of my journey and my own mental collapse back in 2012. And there's just so many factors that go into how do you balance life as an entrepreneur? And I'm excited to talk about that too, because currently what I do is I get to help businessmen, women, families, people dealing with someone with addictions in their workforce or at home. And just how do they unravel the mess and get the family or the staff or the team back on track to, to be productive members of society and whether it's business or home or community volunteering, whatever it is. But Mental health, I never understood that until literally 11 years into my own recovery from alcohol and drugs.
0: Well, I think it's something that, you know, there's so much stigma around mental health issues, and yet we don't really stigmatize a congenital heart defect or, you know, I don't know, some kind of structural or skeletal issue. We think that it needs medical attention and we go and find the specialist and whatever that we need. And I'm very thankful I'm not thankful for the pandemic, but one of the outcomes I think of the pandemic is there's just such a bright light shining on the very serious mental health problems that we're having. And it's not just in our youth. I think we're all sort of learning learning different coping on the fly. And, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of collective trauma that we're going to need to unpack and work through over time as well. So yeah. it's a very important well, topic.
1: Yeah. Well, Mental Health Colorado says the next big epidemic and wave we're going to have is mental health struggles. Because you think about the pandemic, right? A lot of parents had to become teachers or facilitators of teaching while they were working from home. And spouses came home and they were working at home. And it's like, they look back and say, wow, you're drinking a lot more than I thought you were. Or you're looking a lot more porn than I thought you were. Or, you know, you're gambling so much. So all these things started coming out for people, right? And now you can't hide it because you're at home in the office or like many people. Their offices are in their living rooms. And so I think a lot of skeletons came out of the closet. And once they're out, it's kind of hard to put them back in. And then now you're dealing with people going back to the workplace, right? And it's kind of, I don't really want to be, I kind of like, you know, not wearing pants ever, just, you know, boxers and just had a, a slew of shirts in their business closet. So yeah, definitely a lot there. But I, I feel like, you know, so many people are struggling so much before the pandemic. It's just like you said, it kind of shed a different light on things
0: yeah for sure. And I think you know it's always a good thing when these things come to the surface, even if it doesn't feel good. And I'm sure that, you know, given the work that you do and supporting people through addiction and recovery, there's a lot of discomfort, I would imagine,
1: yes, and yeah. even the thing when people ask me, what do you do? Like I was at a Zach Williams concert over the weekend. I love Zach Williams. He's one of the three people I wanted to meet in my life, and I got to meet him in Pueblo over the weekend and I got there early because one of my mentors said, if you want to meet somebody, be the first one through the door. Right. So I got there ultra early. And, and one of the after we started doing the eat and greet, we were standing in line getting the food. And this one guy said, So, what do you do, Rob? And I never say what I do really. It's just kind of, I'll ask the question in, in some, some shape, form, or fashion. I'll say, Well, let me ask you this first and I'll tell you what I do. Have you ever had a loved one or a business colleague that struggled with addiction? And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I'm on the board of addiction thing in Colorado. He went down this whole liturgy. of my aunt and uncle and just because addiction touches so many people. And when people try to separate addiction and mental health, I chuckle a little bit because I'm like, man, if I don't have mental health issues, pretty sure I'm not going to have many addiction issues. And so I, they just go so hand in hand with each other.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we're when we when we need to have these conversations. We need to. We need to recognize that struggle is real and that it's not like built into our education system or even, well, it's, st- I'm starting to see it. Like when I take my kids to the pediatrician, the questions that the pediatricians asked, and you can tell that at least at this practice that we go to, that they are very well-versed in motivational interviewing techniques, <laughs> which is fantastic. Yes, they
1: are. Yeah.
0: Um, and, you know, there's a lot of good screening for that. And then referring for, you know, whatever might be coming up, but I think, you know, so I'm Gen X and I think that there's still a bit of shame around uh, mental health stuff, right? But, you know, again, like we were saying, like you just, I don't know, I don't, I wouldn't feel shame if I had a heart defect that I came into this world with, right? I mean, I think we come into the world with some shame and with some, you know, predispositions and then we have our experience. So having these conversations and normalizing struggle to discuss it and to learn how to, to to cope, I think is really important.
1: Yeah. And the, I, again, with addiction and mental health, I mean, when I, I found sobriety 21 years ago and I was dealing a lot with suicide ideation, but I didn't know what it was at the time. So I never talked about it and cause I thought they'd lock me up and put me in a crazy farm. Right. And then when I had my mental breakdown in 2012, I was dealing with suicide ideation again, but I wasn't telling anyone because now I'm married, I got a husband. I mean, I don't have a husband, I have a wife, you know, married with my wife, two kids, business, And then people think, well, I'm not going to do business with you because you're crazy. And I'm not crazy, right? It's just we deal with, it's learning how to deal with life, but not having the right tools to manage it. And so therefore, we hide, we isolate. I don't want you to see the real me because you got to do business with me. But what I found out, what I do with intervention work, it's kind of... In a, in a weird way, it's kind of more quote unquote messed up I am or vulnerable about my life. People are more drawn to that because they go, Man, you're real, you've been through some stuff, and you know, God's just using you in such a mighty cool way. So now I'm I'm really an open book. And sometimes I had a friend of mine once said, Okay, maybe maybe don't lead with that. Maybe back, maybe back in a little bit, and then maybe if it if it feels appropriate, but because some some people just say, Man, you just share so openly it's, it's hard to digest it sometimes. So I've had to learn of my own vulnerability to just say, you know, a lot of people can't handle what you're, what you've been through because they don't want to talk about what they've been through. And I mean, I lost a career because of my addiction and mental health. Instead of getting me help, I got fired and, and it's trying to educate employers a little bit too. It says, Hey, if a dude walked in and said, man, I just found out I got diagnosed with type two diabetes, you're not going to fire him. You know, right. And, but if you come in and be like, hey, man, I'm really dealing with addiction. I can't kick it. And it's affecting my performance. Say, oh, well, we don't want that on our record. Let's just get you out of here. So I think employers need to listen up a little bit too. And just what can we do to help? I mean, I love it when employers have a mental health day. Say, hey, it's not a sick day. It's not just say, hey, I just need a mental health day. Just go for a hike or a walk and just get out of the office and just no questions asked.
0: Yeah. I love that. There's, we're starting to see that I think, and it may just be where we're located because we're in a teeny tiny school district, but they're doing that in our schools where they're having like wellness days. They fully excuse mental health days. You know, I think that that's really important, right? The support is there. They're talking about it more. They're normalizing that sometimes fatigue and overwhelm could just be fatigue and overwhelm, but it also could be connected to something that's much deeper. And if we keep trying to drive and grind it's not going to go well for us at all, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. It's not, you know, it's not going to work.
1: Yeah. seen it way, way too many times, which is why people just breaking down and things. So so that's why I I try to learn as many resources I can around the country to just say, Hey, here's, you know, I, I know it's, it's great to meet people face to face, right. But virtual is a great way that people can get help anywhere, but face to face, there's nothing better than, I mean, doing the podcast interview with you and talking and stuff, I mean, you're there, I'm here is great. But imagine like sitting in the studio together and just doing the same thing. And, and there's just nothing better I, for me mm-hmm. than face-to-face. Some people hate face-to-face.
0: Well, I think it's cool too, right? You've got, you You were just kind of panning the room for me and you're set up now to do these these interviews. So tell me about that. I would love to to hear like what you're doing with that.
1: Yeah. So inter- interestingly enough, earlier when I mentioned the person that had their office in the living room. Right. It's something that, you know, I used to have my office in the living room all the time. So it was kind of like, okay, Rob's doing podcasting. Everyone be quiet. No, no gaming, no nothing. Everyone just go for a walk. Right. And now, what what I've done in my studio now uh, downstairs is literally I just put a a 10 foot by eight foot green screen on my wall. And I have the interview desk right over here that I'll be doing my first one here shortly, just in studio, because I've done them in the kitchen upstairs and the back porch. But just to have it in studio in the background. And then I have my own little setup right here, which you're seeing me on, but it's just it's nothing better than having, because I call what I do it's it's a business and a ministry, so I call it a business tree, business tree, right? And because I'm I'm loving on people and giving resources and doing podcasting and tons of advocacy work, but you know in that you're making a business, making a good living, taking care of your family, but you want you want to help and give. So there's a two, there's a couple of different tangents on how I do what I do, but when I can just bring someone in here. And just to give me their raw, real story of their life, and just cheer a coffee mug together, and just be like, "Yeah, that's right on," and give hugs and stuff. That yeah, there's gonna be a lot of cool stuff coming out of this place this year.
0: That's so awesome. So you're just starting this. Like you're gonna have your first. Did you just say you're gonna have your first interview in there? In, in, in the physical,
1: in, yeah, in the physical yeah. space here. Because you know, I yeah. put all the soundproof stuff on the on walls. We're mm-hmm. making it a real, real studio instead of your living room. But yeah, I, mean, I love I loved interviewing people on in you know, my my living room couches and just moving things around. Yeah. You know, but now we can just have a table and have four guys or four gals or mix it up just sitting around just having a conversation with different camera angles and a bunch of mics and cool stuff.
0: Oh, that's so cool. So this is like a whole like a whole new level for mom well, jazz. <laughs> right? This is a whole, yeah. whole new
1: level coming <laughs> we're
0: like, like totally geeking out over this. It's oh awesome. yeah, it is if
1: people <laughs> don't do this, you're kind of like whatever, but okay. You know, I am getting, getting ready to start you know this get lifted TV program I'm gonna do mm. virtually and just just ways to bring people on because everyone has a story to tell everyone has some experience and someone might be listening right now i'm like i don't resonate with rob at all all right there's people are going i love this guy and in between and and that's the thing about stories and what you do and what i get to do is just and and it took a while to evolve i mean i always wanted to have a podcast show but -hmm. it wasn't part of my original business plan it was just You know, get in to do what I'm doing, and it's evolved and changed. And I've I've listened to smarter people than myself. Said, oh, that's a good idea. Let's incorporate that and just kind of taking bits and pieces here and there. And finally, though, Tracy, I had to learn that, like, I don't know everything, and I might need to listen to some advice from other people.
0: That's so strange that that would be part of the entrepreneurial journey.
1: <laughs> I know, I got it. I if I show you this, you won't understand, but I'm realizing that people that don't understand have sometimes give me the best advice.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's cool too. Like it, to me, it's part of the journey, right? Like we get to a place, one, kind of backtrack. We usually start our businesses because we have some kind of a knowledge or we see a gap in the market and we know how to fill it and we know we can do it really well right so we have some kind of other miss knowledge going on and we bring that to the table and then we get smacked with the first oh i really don't know how to do that <laughs> and it's, i'll go ahead and put i'll put both hands in the air hard to ask for help but it's so rewarding to do that and to like you're saying listen to people who are smarter than your own self i mean you know what's the old saying like if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room yeah um, you know Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a challenge though. And I just, I laugh at myself very hard. I feel like I can laugh with you on this one. it's like, oh yeah, I don't know everything. And we're not supposed to, right. It's, I don't think we have to be singularly focused all the time, but in business, it's really wise to stay on a track and then, you know, outsource or collaborate or whatever to get the rest done.
1: Collaboration. I love, I love that. I want to share a quick story. that popped in my head about Not knowing everything and why it's important. (laughs) So after I got, you know, I I, we can get into my sobriety story if you want. But after I, you know, got sober in 2001, I kind of left the industry I was in and started doing some other stuff. And I became an eighth grade algebra teacher. Now I love math, so algebra was my jam. And so I, I never really prepared for any lessons. I just took the lesson plan and taught it right. And it all just came back to me so quickly. And I remember sitting in front one day, and and this student was she raised her hand. I was like your fun teacher. You know, I had 40 something kids in my pre like before school uh, t- tutoring program, because a lot of them came from rough neighborhoods and they just wanted to get out. But one of the students one day raised her hand. She goes, Mr. Loman, I don't agree with that answer. And I thought, OK, instead of getting defensive, I said, OK, well, let's take a look at it. And, and I was wrong. And I admittedly said I was wrong. I said, you know what? You are 100 percent right. And I was wrong. I apologize for that. And I said, and it's great that you raised your hand. Cause no one, like how many other people here want to raise your hand? And almost everyone put their hand up. And I said, yeah. So I want to encourage you. If you don't agree with your teachers or people question them, ask questions. And the rest of the teachers that day were like, I don't know what you did to the students, but everyone's asking questions all day in all these other classes. And I just said, Hey, it's, it's, it. you got to humble yourself when you're wrong, you know, and ask for help and advice. And after that, I literally prepared for like every lesson after that. Cause I didn't want to, you know, I'm their teacher. I'm supposed to be teaching them, but. Obviously, I made a mistake, and I, I don't think I made other ones, but it's possible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, those were mathematical mistakes, anyway. Yes. Well, what I—I I mean, talk about an impression. I mean, whether these kids remember that exact moment or not, you know, who knows? But what an impression you made in that moment! Like you gave them permission to question and to be curious and to take a stand and you know, and to, and to verify, right. We trust, but verify. And we, we say this, I say it as a, especially in a parent of teens, trust, but verify.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we don't allow our kids to, to verify. Right. A lot of times, like as we just yeah. lower the boom that happens in school, it happens at home, especially when we're tired and stretched, you know, and all of that stuff. So what a gift you gave these kids in that moment. And hopefully the other teachers appreciated it and found that their classroom environment became richer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I definitely appreciated the, the challenge because, you know, if, if we would, she would have just bypassed that, like I said, we both would have missed an opportunity to prepare better for the day. Mm-hmm. Right. And then also yeah. just be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make mistakes and that's all right. So we, we move on and we go forward. And yeah, that I've had to learn that enough, you know, in my own businesses, um, but especially in early recovery, I, I had to learn how to listen to people because I was not, I I didn't know how to do recovery because I didn't, I I was an alcoholic and an addict and a cheater and a liar and a gambler and all Mm. those things before I got sober. And I had to learn how to do life a different way.
0: Mm. Well, what a journey did. So had you become an entrepreneur before sobriety or I was an entrepreneur when
1: I was born? I was the, I was the kid that knocked (laughs) on your door. Yeah. I was like, I was a kid that knocked on the door because my dad and my parents weren't. It was funny. So I knocked on the door and they just say, okay, get the checkbook, honey. Robbie's here. And they would Aww. just write me a check for whatever I was selling. And so I was always <laughs> starting like little businesses, but I didn't have a mentor to teach me how to grow those businesses. I just like, oh, I just did it. And then I always moved on the next thing. And, and I remember in high school, I was mowing yards by myself. And my buddy, Mike Witherite was mowing yards by himself. And then one day we said, why don't we just do it together? So we ended up having like 44 yards together and we'd mow them. But the problem was we were both alcoholics. And um, so we just went and drank our money away. We didn't invest it in better equipment and all that stuff. And then we went to college and it was just like the business never existed. We just walked away from it. And now when I look back on it, when I tell my kid who's 14, my son who's 14 now, I want to teach you these things because what would have been great is if I could have sold my business or grown it with some younger kids and said, hey, I'll give you a, you do this, I'll take this much, you get that much, we'll bleed you into this and then, you know, buy out or grow it or whatever. I didn't have that knowledge back then. But now I feel like I have it where I can impart that to other younger kids and say, man, don't just let it go. You work too hard.
0: I think that's something that our listeners need to hear, right? So I think there's a lot of people like in the service industries right so the world of coaching it's very easy to just be like okay i'm you know i'm done and i'm retiring or whatever but you know one of my goals is to actually have something that i can sell when it's time to retire or a little bit before that right and i think that when we think about what kind of legacy we want to lead we need to look at that through the lens of you know many different facets there's you know, when I think of legacy, I think first immediately family, my children, how to send them out into the world. But then, you know, what about my business and the difference that I've made and that my team makes? And you know, how do we build on that? And I don't, I don't know that a young teenager has that in them, or a young adult necessarily has that in them without having a mentor, unless unless they just came into the world wired up that way or had an example of some kind, right? So. You had something to learn from.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 They're watching like smarter people than them on TV. Like one of my mentors now is a guy named James Malinchak, and he was on the secret millionaire years and years and years ago. Just a just a great, awesome, awesome guy. But now to be able to tap into his knowledge and wisdom and other people and just say, Man, what a brilliant way to think about something. You know, I have a I have another another book coming out, which I'm not gonna share much about today, but cool stuff coming down the pipeline about interventions and just some, some avenues I'm working with that. And I say not today because I want, I don't want your listeners to go try to find it and they can't find it yet. So maybe I can circle back with you later on, but it's a really great way to take expertise of others and assimilate it together in a cohesive way to just say, Hey, here's how you do this kind of stuff. And we want to bless you with the knowledge and then let people kind of take it from there.
0: That's very cool. Yes, we'll definitely we'll definitely come back when you're ready to launch and and uh, and share that because I think our listeners will be interested in knowing, you know, what else you're up to. So so tell me about you said businesses plural. So tell us about your businesses and what you do.
1: Yeah, you know it's nice because as as an entrepreneur, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. You have plan A, which is kind of going, and you got the side hustles, which sort of kind of align with plan A, but they're not because you're just trying to fill. Kind of the gaps, right? And just say, well, until this takes off, I'm going to do this kind of things. And I'll tell you, so many years was just kind of that, right? It's I've got my passion, but I got this thing that needs to pay the bills, and then I'm going to do this over here and this, but they're not all connected to the same thing, right? Unfortunately, now everything I do is connected to the same thing, which is really helping people really restore hope, identity, and purpose to insert whatever it is, right? To to their school, to their Rotary Club, to their businesses, to their home. And especially after the last couple of years, because so many people have gotten off track, but a lot got on track, right? It pushed people into, well, now you got to do this virtual stuff because no one's meeting in person. So I started doing online challenges and online summits, which were great. And just branching out in that regards to really say, okay, we're going to do, we're going to have podcasts going. So I put out about eight episodes a month on podcasting, you know, which is great. And I love doing it. And then we have the intervention world where I'm literally working with businessmen to help save their businesses and business women, or just families that are really struggling Their loved ones dying in the basement. So we adjust. So my weeks are never the same, which is the great world for an entrepreneur. And so one week it might be one or two interventions and then regular coaching clients that we're meeting with from a aspect of, walking them through the lifted coaching program or just doing good old straight up coaching where it's just what's your agenda how do i meet you there let's let's see what you have going on in your life so it's your directive or in, you know not non-directive coaching and i think my biggest responsibility that i have is just being a father of you know an awesome son and and because we forget our family sometimes because we work so hard and investing time into my wife and my kids which i have fallen short in that too many times and so it's really clearing the plate enough to make sure that that business ministry, I call it the ministry of that is the most important part of my life, besides my relationship with God, then careers. And so between um, interventions, coaching, podcasting, book writing, and really just, I do a lot of business coaching with people too, that are like, how do I do LinkedIn? How do I use StreamYard? How do I in a sense, from an entrepreneur's perspective, how do I parlay my knowledge to bless other people while turning that into another income stream? Because people are willing to pay for people that have been further down the pipeline.
0: Totally. Well, you you mentioned something really interesting, which is, you know, the family or loved ones, right? And I often I often meet my clients when they are past this point and they're trying to get back to it, which is you know when we start our businesses most of us have this idea of freedom freedom of time freedom of financial ability right there's no there's no limit to how much we can earn meaning you know we can make a bigger difference if we have a bigger you know footprint and <laughs> as entrepreneurs we can be you know slightly obsessive and so we have to you know learn how to strike a balance and what does that mean and you know i i teach my clients you know you really want to Build your business around the life that you want. And so if you haven't done that and you're now backtracking, we have to start with what your life looks like. And I I want you to come out of reality for the next 40 minutes or whatever, and talk to me about your magic wand scenario. And, you know, realistic, but a stretch. Like if you don't have the means to buy a private island, let's not go there yet. Right. And put that somewhere further out, but like, you know, quality time with my family, be there to raise my kids, you know, clear the plate so that I'm present not just physically there, but actually present and in the moment. And I'm curious if you run into this, you know, in your own life, but also like with your clients and how you handle that.
1: Yes. uh, In both, in both scenarios. Right. And, and I, I'll go back to, I want to go back to 2012, kind of my own journey and story, which is similar to a lot of I think entrepreneur stories, maybe not the end result, but, but just the aspect of having too much on your plate. You know, and especially people maybe that struggle with addictions or are newly sober and they want to take on the world, right? I'm sober. I want to do all these amazing things, but little baby steps, right? So like back in 2001, after a, a horrible attempted suicide in my world, I found the rooms of recovery. Like God radically saved my life. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful story. It's out there. People want to go listen to the whole story. But along the way, I was single at the time. So a lot of entrepreneurs, are single, you get married, and then it's the just uh, the quote unquote mental distraction of family, which I've heard so many clients and people say, well, I just get so distracted by family. And I paused and I'm thinking, okay, that should be the most important thing in our life. And so in 2012, that had been about two and a half, three years of starting up my own insurance agency, just the the big pipeline vision of income and wealth and all those kind of things. So along the way, my faith started being overcome by fear, right? This abundance mentality was overtaken by scarcity and just the pressures of now being a husband, now having young kids, wife worked full time, just trying to make ends meet and just running, running, running so hard, running so hard and just neglecting myself. You know, I mean, I quit tapping into my men's groups because we say that, Mentors and counselors, people in our life that breathe life into us are so important. And you start pushing them away. The only thing you hear is your voice, right? And then my faith was kind of put on the back burner because I was living by fear. So I wasn't hearing God's voice very well. So whatever people's faith is like, what do you receive guidance from? And then just trying to save a business and just running so hard. And this is a similar, a common thing I see around entrepreneurs, and maybe you see it too, a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with gambling addictions, not specifically the going to the casinos, but the risk-taking is so tied to the brain with process addictions and risk-taking and not thinking of well, the reward is all we see and we forget the risk. So I just want to caution because that, that whole scenario I was just describing led to my complete mental breakdown in 2012. And I see so many entrepreneurs heading that way. You know, marriages are on the rocks addictions up, cocaine's coming in, how do I keep it going? And since I didn't use alcohol or drugs, I used the drug of caffeine, energy drinks, sugar not working out. So these recipes for disaster come in entrepreneurs lives until, and if it's not recognized, it can be catastrophic for a lot of people. So I do want to suggest to people having strong mentors, be honest with a couple of people what's really going on share them the last 10%. Like my buddy, Brad, Mum always used to say, like, what's the last 10% you're not telling anybody. And if we're hiding stuff from business partners or spouses and things like that, it's going to come out at some point. So I I guess just bring in the avenue of vulnerability, no matter what we have going on as passionate entrepreneurs to just, you know, because where you got 10 million bucks in the bank or $62 and you're trying to make it work, we actually struggle with the same issues.
0: I like that idea of that last 10%, right? Because you don't want to go, well, I don't, I shouldn't say you, I wouldn't want to go sharing that 10% with just anybody. I want to share that with somebody who I can trust with that. Even if their response to me is to, you know, hold my feet to the fire and help continue that discomfort
1: (laughs) until I go through
0: it. Right. So I love that idea of like really keeping that in mind. I had a guest on the show um, a while back, Fabienne Fredrickson, and she said something really interesting about like the the loneliness of the entrepreneurial journey, and how for every one toxic or negative person, person who's projecting their own fears onto you and saying things like "just go get a job" or you know whatever, that you need to surround yourself with five people who get it who get you, who love you, who will support you and hold you up. And this is why, you know, being involved in a mastermind or a group coaching or a support group of some kind is really important. So I just want to highlight that and really emphasize that because I think a lot of in the, in the Western world, we're sort of taught to like blaze trails and lone wolf and self made and all this, it's such garbage. It's, you know, it just doesn't work that way. We're not, even if we're introverts or even like a hermit, we still need people and input. And we can take them in large groups or small groups or one-on-one or whatever, but we still need our people. So I love that. Find the person you can share that last 10% with.
1: Yeah. And some of the best thoughts, ideas that have come from collaboration and just like to having these masterminds and just saying, whoa, I n- I never would have thought of that. Like ever mm-hmm. would have thought of that. And 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 just taking those bits and pieces and just incorporating it into giving people credit where credit's due but incorporating that into the thing, Maybe maybe I'll try that because whatever I'm doing over here just is not working. Yeah. And and oddly enough, in in my office here, in my closet, I actually took the door off of my closet where all my, I kind of have, because it used to be a bedroom. So where all my books and stuff are. And it's kind of symbolic to me to just like not have something blocking the pathway to things that have breathed life into you Mm. along the way. And so, I don't know, it's my own little symbolic thing that I do in here, but those things work, I think, psychologically help keep us on the right track
0: yeah and I think too you know the symbolism or like I'm not a big vision board person but I like to keep some images of things that I think are lovely or something that I'm aiming toward and it's interesting the background noise here um you know when, four years ago when we bought our house we just decided we knew we were going to need to renovate the master bathroom at some point where we would like to and we put beautiful images on a board and our eyes see it brain doesn't even think about it anymore and it occurred to me the other day while they were pulling everything back to studs <laughs> and we've chosen our materials and whatnot. I looked at a couple of the pictures like, oh my gosh, we're actually making that. Wow. <laughs> it's been on our radar, sort of, you know, not top of mind all the time, but it does help. It's, it's supportive, right? We need to find different ways to support our dreams and goals, especially when they feel like they're far away from us. Because I think as an entrepreneur, we're shooting beyond the stars sometimes with our goals. And we have to, if it's too easy, most of us are wired up to not want to effort.
1: <laughs> if it's too
0: easy. And if it's way too hard, maybe we're willing to make some incremental progress, right? But we aim far so that we can kind of drop back in to the stars and, and get there. And I think um, having any kind of support in place is really you know, a good idea. I, I surround myself with things that, that I find lovely my view actually outside is to a lovely you know scenery and trees and and all of that and sometimes I just sit at my desk and stare out the window
1: (laughs) yeah you got to you gotta you gotta like what you're looking at
0: yeah or I leave the room and go sit outside and stare at the sky or something but you know it's important to have to have those things so I love that you have a space and you were pointing so I'm imagining it's in in your view somewhere yeah
1: I mean I can see yeah books of of people I've interviewed on my shows. I have like a little section for them and then books through challenging times in my life. And just kind of, yeah, just good reminders that, because you said something earlier that it just kind of flew out of your mouth, got covered up by your conversation. And there was that thing where people say to entrepreneurs, Tracy, just go get a job. And you're like, okay, you know, and that's, and that's something you need to have that sometimes, right? That thing, and then do your thing at night and stuff. But I mean, how many times have have you heard people that have said to your clients and even to yourself, like, Tracy, just go get a job. Like, forget the dreaming. You're just, it's, you just whatever. And they, and that's their own fear, they're projecting on you. But I heard that come out of your mouth a little bit when you're talking and that just stuck into my head. Yeah, I've heard that a few times. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. I mean, my own dad said it to me and he and it was very much, you know, out of love. The funny thing is, is that he's he he's retired now, but he was a business owner. But what he didn't do start a business from the ground up. So he did not understand mano a mano being in the trenches combat that starting a business can be. And, you know, in all fairness, I did call him at like three o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of the, he was like you know you've got all this education you've had this great corporate career and you climb the ladder and blah 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 you, you should just go back and get a job and I was like no what I need you to say to me is you've got this <laughs> take that experience you know but he was it was out of love and concern you know like hearing me freaking out going oh my god I'm gonna be like 110 when I can finally retire what am I doing to myself <laughs> and then I was like all right I'm good now I'm good. Yep. And he's dead. like, I'm not, I'm not okay. Are you okay? <laughs> but it oh, is, yeah. you know, it's true though, right? I mean, some of that is people's fears. I think we we've also been taught, and this is maybe outside of the scope of what we really are coming here to talk about, but I think we've also been taught that there's safety in employment, but that's not necessarily true. I mean, look what's happened under the pandemic. You know, it's not just a great resignation, but a lot of businesses, some of them out of fear, preemptively, you know, restructuring or or Um, you know, constricting and pushing people out of jobs that were seemingly secure. So, you know, why not make our own security?
1: Yeah. and And, and and Again, people going home and moving. I mean, there were probably three of my last, I don't know, six interventions were family members that moved home and worked from home. They were used to being out in the field, traveling, doing all this stuff, and now they're caged in their little living room office that they never had. Right. And just freaking out. And, and that's been literally three of the last interventions I've done have been involving some scenario like that, where the person just could not handle the new norm in their life and just was losing it. But, and they all ended up completely different ways. Cause I mean, you got to call audibles all the time, but it's, it's about getting the ego out of the way and just saying, Hey, look, let's just agree. Life isn't the way, maybe you want it right now. I'm not saying you're an addict, but I always use the term of, are you dependent on substances to find relief? Oh, totally. But I'm not an addict. I'm dependent. Yeah. I'm totally dependent on it, but having it helping them kind of, you know, and again, not all entrepreneurs, right. But it was just the job thing. And it was just like, I don't even want to be doing this. And so helping people see beyond that too, and just the stresses and the chaos and all that too, it's, but you got to have that team. You said as, as your dad was like, you know, just tell you, oh, just go get a job. You're like, no way. I would just want you to agree with me or tell me something. But that's why you have this group of people that get you not a, not a, not enabling bad decisions, but get you and help you process through that and say, OK, I'm totally off track right now. Thanks for getting me back on track. I'm ready to rock and roll. What are we going to do?
0: Totally. And I think that's really key. And, you know, for people listening who are thinking, like, oh, I, you know, right now I don't have the cash flow to join something that's paid. There are lots of free ways. There's bartering services, there's joining, you know, a free meetup or a very low cost kind of meetup. I think, you know, even like the entrepreneur group through the chamber usually is relatively inexpensive if you're close to a chamber of commerce. Like there's a lot of different ways to get involved and to connect with people. Your people <laughs>
1: yes, and
0: entrepreneurs—we're yes. just—we're just wired up differently, right? Like, and I, I thought it was really interesting what you were saying about like the addiction to the risk. And um, I just read—I wish I could remember where I saw it. It just kind of like flashed across my screen when I was doing stuff earlier this morning. But somebody posted something about being addicted to like the cycle the entrepreneurial cycle of excitement and, and achievement and, uh, you know, and all those great things and not being able to accept the lulls and actually embrace them. And that's, that's something that became really clear to me at the onset of the first round of lockdowns in early 2020, all the things that I had planned and I was so excited for paused and actually ended up, you know, full stop (laughs) Ah. and, and looking back now, I'm like, whoa okay, that that was a near miss. Like, I could have been so busy and not had the opportunity to really tap into what I really want to be doing. Um, But it's that forced me to slow down and appreciate the lull. And I think you know, it's this is not. My, I borrowed this from somebody brilliant. It's this idea of like we're not meant to hustle all the time. It's really about hustle and glide, and we need to understand when it's a good time to glide so that we can. Take care of ourselves, you know, check in with ourselves, stay present, not be addicted to that cycle of just all the highs. I still think it's like a dopamine rush, right? It's still that all that excitement and all the good stuff, you know, life isn't like that.
1: Yeah. Dopamine was the word that was going to come out of my mouth. And Mm. people don't understand that. It's literally, I'm a huge fan of like coaching, counseling, and community. And what I do in my world of interventions and addiction and stuff, and that, that if, if what we just said or what Tracy just said is totally flew over your head and thought like what I encourage everyone to have like a great counselor or therapist that they can utilize to just process this stuff and not like just a talk therapist, but one that has modalities and things that they use and also aligns with your own values. Right. But to just process through that and say, why, why, why I love the highs, but I don't understand the lows. And then, People think they need to medicate it with something. And then we got a bunch of over medicated people. And but I just want to encourage people to check out like counselors, therapists, people that you can process stuff through and find someone that's an entrepreneur that that knows it. You know, I mean, a lot of therapists are horrible business people, you know. But when you find one that's a good one, they can connect with the challenges you're dealing with. And so finding like-minded people and stuff, I think is so is so huge and awesome. And uh Later, depending on how much time we have, I'll tell you a story about a a, a therapist and my mental breakdown situation. But, but there's just an important piece to have in people's lives for sure.
0: Yeah, and I would I would like to second that and tack on to it that you don't have to be in crisis or have something, or quotes, you're like wrong, in order to consider working with a therapist or a counselor. What I think is, we don't know our blind spots until we bump into them, and so if we can work with someone who can help us with every every single person on the planet has experienced trauma of some kind some in you know varying degrees but we all have stuff and we need to figure out how we actually deal with that stuff because guess where it's going to come up as an entrepreneur all that stuff all that baggage you've been carrying around will come up and it's going to catch you by surprise at the most random times and test you and test and test and test and really it's just pushing up against our limits right what we've experienced this far. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of therapy, coaching, counseling, group programs, mentoring, all of it. We're just not meant to going back to what I said earlier. We're not meant to go out and do all of this on our own. We really do need that support system. And so yeah, get yourself a therapist, go do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Go to psychology today and look them up. You can do all these parameters. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: There's so uh, many, there's so many ways to find. Yeah. Psychology today actually is great. I I found that that it's easier to find a therapist through that than it is through our insurance portal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or just call someone that knows a bunch of people around the country. I know tons of therapists all over and it's like, Hey, call one, finding one virtual, whatever. So anyway, good tips for entrepreneurs there to make sure you're healthy because I feel like coaches need coaches, therapists need therapists, entrepreneurs need entrepreneurs. Married guys need married, you know, guys to process life with. Just we need like-minded people to to get it and understand. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for real. It's it's a it's it can be a very lonesome journey as an entrepreneur, which is actually one of the reasons why I started this podcast was to just one, to create like an equitable space where if you can get a connection, you can listen. Like it's that's about as close as I can get to universally equitable evergreen content. But also because it just feels so lonesome at times. And even when, you know, when one of our many dark nights of the soul that we all have on this journey, um, we reach out to people who, who love us. Sometimes we're not getting what we need. And so, yeah, to find people who get you, I think is just so important. Such a huge piece of the puzzle. And
1: yeah. And I liked one of your recent episodes where you were just kind of solo in it.
0: Mm-hmm. It, was just you yeah, talking. it was my gripe session.
1: Yeah. And I like doing those too. Just, you got to do it. it's like, Hey, look,
0: yeah.
1: it's great to interview people and share their stories and, and intermix expertise, but we just kind of, kind of got to just roll with it. I think listeners yeah. love that too. Cause all right, cool. Tracy's just going to kind of roll with it. Rob's just going to roll with it today. And I don't know what's going to fly out of my mouth, but, but just something I just need to say today. And yeah. uh, that's one of the pleasures you get of having your own show too, is you just get to do those things when you want.
0: Yeah. And I thank you for that reflection too. It's something that I was a little resistant initially. because I was like, this isn't about me. This podcast isn't about me, but I'm like, no, but people actually appreciate what I'm sharing. And it started coming through, you know, in, in the first uh, reviews, people like, oh, and just wait till Tracy drops some wisdom. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know? So then, you know, under the advice of my coach, it's like, you know, you really might want to think about doing more solo episodes. (laughs) It's like, fine. (laughs) 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 and now i put some structure around that you know and i'm doing more solo episodes but yeah and it's i think it's just not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur and that's okay right like i I love working like my people who work with me either as contractors or i have i have one employee (laughs) um but the contractors and everybody else i work with they're kind of freelancing some of them are employed full-time and have side gigs and and you know they have different perspectives and if they were also entrepreneurs they wouldn't be willing to work with me. <laughs> They'd have their own business, right? Yeah. So we need we need both. We need, you know, all all manner of of ways of making a living and you know, that said, we got to surround ourselves with people who get us cuz we're just a different we're different breed. We're wired up differently.
1: Yeah, and I was reminded recently by my wife and she's like, "You know, honey, you just you don't share a lot of the things that are going on with with mm. the business, right?" And I was like, "Wow, I, I haven't been sharing a lot lately because I just been doing and creating and doing it and, and not really bringing her in mm-hmm. on it. So just bringing our spouses in to just say, Hey, look, you know, wh- whether they want to hear it or not, cause sometimes Oh, just another idea. You know, it's like, Oh, there's another idea. Oh, yeah, that's, okay. inspired. that's Where's that one going to take us? Right. You know, great. Here we go. But, she, but we'll she was right after
0: a couple weekends. Yeah,
1: exactly. It was, but I was like, okay, I was convicted in that moment. I said, you know what? You're right. I don't, yeah, because I didn't know if you want to hear it. She goes, no, I want to. It's just like maybe a different way of presenting it and, you know, those things. So I was reminded again this morning before the show, we were having just a really good conversation. And she's like, yeah, I want to hear more of those things. So I know how to pray for you and support you. And even though it might seem like another harebrained idea, but it's all connected to the to the rest of things that are happening. It's not, again, going back to many years ago, it was just an idea that was on the side. hmm now it's just all connected. And it's like, oh, wow, that really complements that thing. And now I see how that's going to build on that piece. And yeah, especially with the, again, the book that's coming out, it's a pretty creative way that we're doing, I'm doing things. So it's, uh, again, you got to bring those, your family in, I think too to the visions and not just do your own thing as an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. It, and there's a real temptation to do that, to just kind of close ourselves off and go do our thing and stay really focused that way. You You said something else that really struck me. And I I feel like I made a connection, which is you, you know, sometimes it seems like you have these harebrained ideas, but they connect somehow. And I, you know, I can't help, but think like that has to do so much with clarity of vision and purpose. And when you're really, really connected to that, something might seem like it's coming out of left field. And yet internally in our internal GPS, we know that there's a connection and there's a way to get there. Right. And I think this is why being very connected to our why and reviewing it and putting our hands all over it and reorganizing it and repainting it. And all of those things, we need to do that on a regular basis so that when we do get a harebrained idea, like we can decrease the amount of like decision fatigue and all the other stuff that can get in the way and just get down to it. I think that's something that it sounds like you've honed that, that you are very decisive. And maybe you have, you know, a little matrix that you put it through to make sure about timing and details and all of that, but that you, when you know, you know, is that, yeah, and it, is that true? And is that
1: fo- yeah. Is that focusing on the uh, like the idea at hand, if you will, or the, the project or a new coaching program at hand or something like that. And and sometimes doing them all together makes sense because there's, there's co- there's con- continuity between, between all of them as well. Because I remember when I first started doing intervention, it was just kind of something that came And I just jumped in. And I literally was building the plane in the air with no plan. I remember one year, a guy said, Okay, so what's the vision statement of lifted from the rut? And I go, Well, I don't know. What do you mean? (laughs) It's like entrepreneur, MBA, business plans. I didn't have one. And he looked at me, he goes, You don't have a vision statement? I said, No, I was like, But I'm going to get one. And literally, (laughs) it was like the next 48 hours, I just sat down. So, okay, what? What is the vision of it? Where are we going with this? What's gonna happen? What's next? Right. And just to sit down and write a vision statement out of because before I would just ask a question of, oh, do you have any people in your life that are struggle with addictions? And that would be my lead-in. I'll say, hey man, my vision that God's called me to with all the stuff is to restore hope, identity, and purpose to the addicted, to the family, to the business, to 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 whatever. And there's you know kind of like a blank at the end of the restoring hope, identity, and purpose. But then to get vision statement, right? And then to get value statements and all those things. And I just didn't have it. It was just going because I was good at what I was doing. But I thought, man, this makes sense. So Now with the, the future vision of, um, of the book and, you know, creating a whole intervention program and a lot of cool things with people coming down the pipeline is just train other people up to do what I do, right? And then we mm-hmm. have this army of people that are doing the same thing of the, of the years that I've been doing them. And just all these different avenues to bring it together in a a cohesive way. Like that's exciting. Right. And some of those are a year down the road, but to get to the year, you got to get to the six months, six months. You got to do three months, three months, you got to do tomorrow. And then you got to do this afternoon. And so the vision's awesome. And now to learn over the years and years and years is like, the vision's great, but man, you got to be a detail guy too. You can't just be the vision guy. And so I've had to learn and become better at it to be the detail guy and the vision guy. And this cornucopia of, of mentors in my life that really speak, speak into that and say, Hey, that sounds good. Or where did that come from? And I get to explain it
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and cast the vision said, man, that, that just doesn't sound like anything else you're doing. Like, Oh, wow. You're right. Okay. Put it in the pile over mm-hmm. here and just keep going this way. But Without that, and that, again, I think that's why I'm just excited where it lifted from the ruts going. And as I was thinking about the book, I was like, you know, because it it might be finished, it may not be finished, but if someone's listening to this five years down the road and they're like, oh, what was that guy talking about the book thing? he ever do that thing? So I'll tell you, you want to you you know what's coming out? I'm just going to tell you. So, so as, a, as, as a podcaster, we get to interview lots and lots of people, right? And So many people have different wisdom to give. So what I've done is actually I interviewed this whole plethora of interventionists to do what what I do, because there's a lot of different modalities, ways to kind of do them, and just kind of found the common thread through all of them, right? And then chose 10 interviews that I'm going to publish in the book about their expertise, their creative stories. And I love to write. I love to write. But you got to level up, right? So I just hired a creative writer to write their stories. Turned out great hire an editor, to edit their stories. Cause I think I can write well, but I'm like, that's not my skill set. So over time you learn to level up and just, you know, and just have people do what you're not great at. And so that's pretty much at the end of, you know, a few more weeks, it's actually going to be like, that part's going to be finished, but then we have this, but so I'm excited about that. Cause what it does is it tells people, Hey, there's a lot of different ways to help your loved ones, but I'm going to use all these different expertises and tell their stories because they, they need to be told. And in the midst of that, here's my story. Here's the way I do them. And to give people this broad perspective of how am I going to help my loved one not tank this weekend? Right. And my whole deal about interventions is bringing the bottom up to your loved one, bring the bottom up to your business partner. Why wait till the business flops? Why wait till they get a DUI or CPS is called. Let's get them now. And then they can look back on this day and say, man, Tracy, Rob, you guys helped tried to help me so much. And I chose to keep going this other direction, but at least they get to see how much you loved them. And so it's really this culmination of all these people's loves, love, and the way they help people and how they, how they go about helping people and how I help people and bring it all together. And so it's going to be called the art of intervention book. Mm-hmm. So there you go. But, um, domain name I think is going to be the but it's coming down the pipeline and, so whether you're listening to this now and you go there and it's not there, but it'll be there later. But you know that's the excitement. But that came from sharing this idea with so many like-minded people and said, man, you got to do that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of cool stuff that will be a part of this book with video interviews and interactive and all that great stuff that people get to tap into. But it's going to, I think, change the industry a lot, too, and how people do them
0: think it's really powerful work that you're doing, right? Because we have, we have this mental health crisis and it's definitely been declared for youth, but what about these youth's parents?
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) You know, we're all, I think, hanging on by a thread, even if we're doing all right, right. Just things have been really chaotic over the last couple of years. And even before that, but the, you know, the spotlight's on now. And I, I think that it's just so powerful because it's not it's so much more about love than it is about a process or a tactic or a strategy or whatever. Right. And, and even building a business, if we tap in, this is going to sound so woo woo, but it's true. If we tap into love and we come, you know, heart first, always bring our brains, but heart first, we can't help but be successful and make a change and make a difference in people's lives. And I think that this, it seems to me, this is very much what you're doing, which is why sometimes you have ideas that probably seem to fly out of the sky, but they're like divinely dropped on your head. Like here, here you go. Here's a way yeah. to do that. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was. Yeah. And that's how mm-hmm. like lifted, like the, the dynamics of lifted interventions came about, like how do we define what they are? Mm-hmm. It was that, it was that moment of just, I, I got to start writing and grabbed a piece of pen and paper. I said, okay, God, like, how do you want these to be done? Like what's, and and the first, the L and lifted is literally listen with love.
0: Mm.
1: That's the start of this whole process. No matter what the crisis is, what the chaos is, there's pain behind the words and there's pain behind the anxiety and the fear But we can, when we can slow it down just a little bit, then we can start thinking more kind of logically and talk through what's going on and say, okay, this is why we need a plan. We can't just run in and be like, You need to go get help and freak out. We got to have a plan that (laughs) makes sense and it's, it's executable in a sense, but we got to call audibles the whole way through because it's addiction, mental health and chaos. But, but first we got to listen, like with the word you said, love, and just listen, no -hmm. solutions. No, here's what we need to do. Let's just hear it. And then sit back for a minute and pray about it. And just think of what do we need to do next? And then we can jump into kind of action, but you know, people are freaking out these days, and it's rightly so. I mean, people are dying left and right from overdoses, DUIs, just a broken heart. And uh, but if we can come in and listen with love first, even as a, a whether you do what I do with interventions or just business in general, like what is what does our client need? What are they saying? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have an agenda for you. Like, what are you saying? What do you want? What do you want your life to look like? Okay. Well, then let's put a plan around that. Mm -hmm. What do you want your life to look like? Talk through it. So that's the part I really love. I love the coaching through the intervention process with the family, the mom, the dad, the sister, the brother, not even the loved ones addiction yet, because I haven't talked to them. It's getting to know the whole family through the process Mm -hmm. or the business partners. And business interventions are a lot of fun because sometimes they're a little more cut and dry. It's like black Mm -hmm. and white talking about, you know, bottom line and how this is affecting it. And like, man. Sometimes they're a little easier in a sense than doing a, like a full on family intervention.
0: A little bit less emotional, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah. More more factual and number oriented mm-hmm. and those kind of things too.
0: That's interesting. Well, you know, and I was thinking about how like you were talking about listening and that's what I do for a living, right? I basically listen for a living. I give lots of advice um, <laughs> solicited, but you know, when people first come to me, when my clients first come to me, I'm kind of giving like the the tip of the iceberg. This is kind of where we hit like the pain points and the frustrations and sort of the common things that people deal with. But what, what we deliver is so much more than that because we spend that first part of our work together, listening so deeply and getting so curious and yes, you know, there's a system and there's a methodology and I have a framework for how I work with clients. Otherwise we'll be all over the map all over the time, all the time. That's not good, but we deviate sometimes because there's a need. And when there's a need, then we can fulfill that. And if it's something that, that, you know, that I cannot do through my company, then we find outsourcing, whether that be mental health services or marketing,
1: <laughs> you yeah. know,
0: or financial planning, you know, strategy, whatever it is, you know, so I don't do all the things I'm, I stay in my lane very much, but it is that like, you know, when we first meet people, you know, thinking about your families or the businesses that you work with, they come to you and they're like, we have a problem, right? Here's the tip of the iceberg. This is our problem. But what you're really listening for is what's underneath all of that. And that's where the change gets made. That's where the real change happens. And, you know, the coach who trained me, who I still stay in touch with, and she mentors me and we, you know, off and on connect with each other. She asked me one day, so um, how many appointments before your clients are journaling, meditating, praying, you know, practicing some kind of self-care and meditative practice? And I was like, two, three. She's like, wow, you move fast. And I was like, well, we're not going to go deep. I don't see why we should work together.
1: Yeah. Right. It's (laughs) kind of like an intensive, right? Like let's get to the bottom of the iceberg.
0: Have you thought about journaling? Right.
1: I hate it. Why?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah brain dump every morning for a week and come back to me tell me how much you hate that. Wow. <laughs> that's great. So it's yeah, it's cool and it's, you know, it's it's very gratifying work, I would imagine to be able to work with these families and businesses, these humans who are experiencing tremendous pain for something that in many ways is out of their control. But they're they just love their people so much that they're willing to do whatever it takes and I think that that's, you know, really beautiful and powerful work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. There's there's nothing better than when you receive a text message from an aunt or a mother or someone and it just says, thank you so much. Like there's this mm-hmm. one aunt whose, whose son had no resources, completely dead broke and just needed needed a leg up. Right. And remember, she just called me and just said, I don't know what to do. And so I connected her to some alumni of another program and he went down. There It was a year long program. It's really cool. But remember she texted me just pictures of them throughout the year like with his three boys, he was reunited with them. And she would always just send me these life moments with, their, with her nephew. And I remember one day she sent me a picture and he was coaching this basketball team. He's he's the coach, he's the Sunday school leader now. He, he and his three boys are all getting baptized together as a result of a desperate time with a loving aunt that didn't push him, just gave him the options and he chose to walk through the door and now he, again, he's just, his whole life is completely turned around back to his faith when he was younger and just a upstanding young guy. And again, him, himself, and his three boys all got baptized together. And so when I get those messages from clients, I, and their loved ones, I always send those because I have another avenue to what I do is uh, a lot of kingdom supporters support what I do financially as well from a way that I can help others that can't afford the help in a sense. And so I always send those text messages to the, the supporters and my kingdom partners. And they're just like, dude, cause you know, they they have a heart for people with addiction, but they're not going to go do the work like I am. Right. And I always send those text messages out and they're like, man, thank you so much as a reminder. And it's not to support more. It's just say, Hey, thank you. This is the money you're investing into the, the business tree that I'm a part of is helping so many people. And then, you know, they're just compelled to just say, man, what what can we do? What do you need? And so those are really neat things I love to just share with people that are supporting what I do in a sense. I mean, I have clients and everything, but these are just people that say, hey, we want to give to what you're doing. So how do we do that? And I show them how they can do that and give them a little presentation in the spiel and like, man, I want to be a part of this. And um, so those those are the cherished moments I get when I get to see a life changed drastically.
0: Mm, what, what gratifying work. Right. And really to, to have the opportunity and the the toolkit to be able to support people in truly choosing a different life and stepping into the life that they probably always wanted to have, just didn't know how to go do it. Right. And you help provide some of that. How I think is, you know, it's just huge. So yeah, well, yeah, my kudos to you and, for, you know, thank you for sharing your story and for, you know, being willing to be vulnerable and walk through that fire and do the the hard work in order to get to the place where you can be of service to other people. I think it's pretty, you know, pretty tremendous and speaks a lot to, you know, your character and who you are as a human and the choice that you made, because it comes down to a choice. That's when everything starts to change, whether it's, you know, for addiction or just living a better life or whatever, you know, it's not easy but it's simple. It's making a choice and choosing it over and over again, right? Yeah, and getting help you. and doing all the other things. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Thank yeah. you for that encouragement. It means a lot. Yeah.
0: Oh well, I would love to be able to to send our listeners to to engage with you, to support you in any way, or or even to inquire about your services. So where can we send people?
1: the The main thing I say is if you're just struggling with addiction of any sort, again, whether it's a business partner, whatever, a family member. I throw this out there, if you want to just literally schedule a phone call with me, that's the best way to just have a conversation. Because you can go look on the website, and look at videos and all that cool stuff. But if you're in crisis, you just need some help. And like, Rob, I have no clue what the heck to do. Literally, if you just go to recoverwithrob.com and just set up a call on my online calendar at a time that works for you, and I'll call you at that time, that's the best thing to throw out there. If you just want to learn about lifted from the rut and everything I do, just go to literally liftedfromtherut.com. And that's the place you can kind of play around and find my podcasts and click to social media and all those fun things.
0: Awesome. We'll put, we'll make sure that all of the links are there in the show notes. So it's easy. It's always nice to hear it. So our auditory learners are like, yes, I got it.
1: <laughs> yes, that's oh me. I gosh. like, I heard yeah. it. I wrote it down. Now I'm gonna take <laughs> action. So yeah, yeah,
0: here we go. One, two, three. Oh my gosh! Well, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. I would love to hear if you have any parting wisdom for our listeners.
1: Just if you're struggling with something and literally you don't know what to do, call someone, ask for help. I'm saying like whether it's start a business, right? To call and talk to Tracy and do some coaching and just say, hey. I don't know what to do. I have this great idea, but what do I do to get it out? Someone to process that through with, but reach out to a professional in some avenue that has gone further down the road than you have. And therefore glean from their wisdom, it'll shorten the learning curve and you can get to where you want to go maybe a little faster.
0: I love that. Thank you so much. Well, I would definitely like to check back with you when your book is ready for publication or ready for promotion or whatever timing works for you. Let's, let's meet up again and, and catch everybody up.
1: Cool. I would totally awesome. take you up on that. That's great. Awesome. Thank awesome.
0: You. Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll put a note on calendar to stalk you.
1: <laughs> I like to be stalked. It's all good,
0: Remember so. to stalk Rob today. Yeah. I think his book is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> stalk with permission.
1: There you go.
0: Oh my gosh, well, thank you so much. I mean, what a, what a pleasure to speak with you and to, to hear about your journey. And again, just thank you so much for the work that you do.
1: Yep, you're a gem, Tracy, keep up the good work. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. Be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. As you know, reviews are what help your fellow entrepreneurs find the right podcasts for them. So please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode. If you are a medical practice owner and you're struggling with overwhelm from the daily business operations and decisions and trying to manage your time and all that juggling, schedule a talk with me by visiting my website at tracycherpesky.com forward slash medical hyphen practice. Practices. Link is in the show notes. We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success.